welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to this week's edition of the Big Kids Book Club. Uh, My name is Marcus, I'm your host, and with me today in the clubhouse, I am very grateful to have Thomas Taylor, author of the books Malamanda, Gargantis, and uh, Irionsi, amongst others. Thomas, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the clubhouse. Hi, Marcus. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me on. No, uh, our pleasure, our pleasure. So um, what we'll do is we'll start with just trying to, to figure out, some people will know who you are, some people might have no idea. So do you <laughs> want to just give us a little idea about like your writing journey, how you've sort of got into the world of writing and how you've ended up to where you are at the moment? Yes, well, well that's quite a big, um, quite a big subject <laughs> when you've been doing what I've been doing quite as long as I have. Um, but I began as an illustrator, so uh, four years at art school, Graduated as an illustrator in 95, and that began my journey um, to where I am today as a writer, which seems a little bit odd that you, I went from the visual side to the written side. But um, yeah, I began as an illustrator. I got into the world of children's books. I kind of loved it there and began to feel that I really wanted to write as well as draw. Although everything about my work and my life pointed towards drawing. I had this feeling that I really, I really wanted to to try and write these stories myself. And I had story ideas in my head all the time, um, got frustrated waiting really for people to, to write something for me to illustrate. And so it took a long time, but eventually I plucked up the courage to start writing. And I, I say plucked up the courage quite deliberately because what if, I, what if it turned out I wasn't very good at it? You know, I've been harboring this secret desire to write for all this time. What if it turned out in the end, I'm not very good at doing that. It was something I kept um, wanting to avoid discovering, I suppose. So it took me a long time to seriously begin um, actually trying to write a book with the intention of showing it to my agent and showing it to publishers. And I had a bit of a bumpy ride to start with. I had a YA novel published in 2012 that was okay. Yeah, it was a good start. But I think I, um, I realized writing that, that I don't quite understand YA. <laughs> it's, it's a mode of writing and storytelling that's fine. I'm not criticizing it. I just, for me, it doesn't quite sit well. And so yeah. looking at that book and thinking what, what went well and what didn't go so well. And I thought all the things in that book that were a bit more middle grade in their tone kind of stepped, stood out and were really quite exciting. And then all the things that were a bit more YA, uh, I was struggling with those things a bit more. It just didn't come naturally to, even though I was reading quite a bit of YA at the time, I just didn't quite, didn't quite gel. Yeah, yeah. So, Find it's, it's quite a quite a, a difference is there's quite a step up between the middle grade and the YA. There's quite a people don't realise they're like, oh, it's just a couple of years, but actually in that years there's quite a development of language and style and all these other pieces. Oh yeah, and there's a whole kind of culture around around YA and there are tropes and there are it's a whole thing and it's like a a, a world that I don't quite belong in somehow. And then when I um sort of became aware of that really and, and began to really just concentrate on writing for for, um, for, for, for middle grade, um, it all seemed to just come together, really. I mean, the, the weird thing is I kind of, I kind of given up writing at that stage. I sort of thought, I'm going to go back to illustrating. I'm not sure. It's, quite, it's so hard to get anywhere. I, I'm going to stop trying to submit texts. So I even told my wife I was going to stop 
stop writing for a while and just I had a big illustration job to do and I was just going to do that and then um, I was just walking I mean I moved to the seaside which helped yeah. as you'll see um, and I was just walking on the beach every day in the winter um, just fascinated by being you know by the sea but in the winter because normally people only go to the sea in the, in the summer and I was there all year round so I was able to see what, what it's like in a seaside town when when the ice cream shops are shut up and the deck chairs are gone and the weather gets really bad because I know it's a bit iffy in the summer but it could get really quite seriously bad oh in the, the UK weather yeah indeed uh, and so I became fascinated with this as the idea of um, this is a great backdrop for mystery and adventure um, and all the old um, hotels were sort of crumbly and yet still open for some weird reason I mean who goes in the winter but and then I became aware that you you only go, you know, if you've got a really good reason to these places or if you've got a really bad one. And then so that really began to open up all possibilities for adventure. So I began writing anyway, even though I said I'd stop. <laughs> I was tapping away and writing this story kind of in secret, um, the story that would eventually become Malamanda. And um, I think just not having any pressure on myself, not thinking I would even show it to my agent even, not um, telling anyone around about it, not thinking about the market and what's selling and what isn't or what's the big thing and what isn't, just writing about something that I was, I was inspired by in my everyday life and, and writing about something I knew firsthand of being on the beach and seeing the sea and seeing the weather and the funny people you meet down on the low tide <laughs> when, when you're wondering, why are you here? <laughs> Um, I know why I'm here, I'm walking my dog, but you're just standing there. No, but you meet some great yeah. characters and um, this story began to form in my head and so I began writing it down. And after a, a while, um, I wrote about two thirds of it and I put it to one side and my agent phoned me up and I hadn't done very much in the preceding couple of months. I, I had a comic book project I did with Marcus Sedgwick where I did all, all the drawings. Yeah. It was about a monster hunter. And my agent said, have you got any, anything, any ideas about monsters that you could sort of look at? Because, you know, it's about time you did something else. And I said, well, funnily enough, I have been writing this novel about, about a monster, about a sea monster and a legend. Anyway, so um, I began to, um, I sent it to her. I sent her nine chapters or so. And I just thought, well, you know, we'll see what she thinks. And she got back in touch within a couple of hours to say she really loved it and you wanted to know where, if I had the rest of it. And of course, I didn't have, I didn't know how it was going to end at that point. <laughs> I wasn't too sure. I had some ideas, but I wasn't too yeah. sure. So I said, of course, I know how it's going to end. You know, said, of course, do you think it's worth pursuing? And she, she said, well, I think you should be pursuing this. So I started thinking about how I was going to finish it. The next morning, she phoned again to say, I read it again this morning to check. And I really think you should drop everything and, and just finish this. And if you can finish it in the next two weeks, It'll be in time for, um, to get it out to publishers before the Bologna Book Fair when they're really receptive to new ideas. But you've got two weeks, you know, so oh, it was wow. really quite tight. So I did drop everything and I did um, hammer out the last third <laughs> in two weeks when I had lots of ideas. It wasn't yeah. like it was from, from, from Cole. And um, she, she sent it out, not under my name even, under, she sent it out under the name of Herbert Lemon because the whole book oh, is told from the perspective yeah. of a character called Herbert Lemon and it's very much her, Herbie's story. So she sent it out sort of anonymously, really. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, to cut a long story short, within, within a day, I had the, the phone ringing and I had um, people interested. And it began the process of talking to publisher after publisher, day after day, over about two weeks. Even talking to a film producer um, on the phone. Uh, and it ended in an auction and the book was acquired by Walker in a three-book deal. And um, it's just very exciting to think that um, I... 
I think that there's, there's a lesson for life here, a lesson for creative life that I haven't quite articulated yet. But I think if you, if you stop worrying about all the extraneous things, about what's, what's, what's the next big thing and what's um, expected, and just write something that you love and you feel is, is, is real passion to you and something that comes from where you are in your life, you're far more likely to get on, I think, than if you try to analyse what everybody else has written and try to work out some sort of formula as people have done, I know that people have done that. Um, um, so I'm, I'm still uh, processing what the life lesson is from that, but uh, <laughs> it kind of worked out okay in the end. So that's how I became, I went from being an illustrator to being a, a writer. And I do, I do still illustrate, so. Yeah, because I was book, gonna say, because yeah. the, um, the chapter headings are all uh, your sort of like inklings and stuff. Yeah, I, so I've drawn, yeah, and the map, there's a map in oh, the book. Oh, of course, eerie, yes. Um, um, and I've done all, all chapter heading illustrations and, um, because of this comic book I did with, with, with Marcus, the um, Scarlet Heart, Monster Hunter, the comic book, um, was primarily a black and white project for me. So uh, I was quite comfortable. I mean, it was in colour, but it was kind of, my strength, I think, is in black and white line work. And um, wasn't quite up to doing the cover of Malamanda, but I was happy to do the inside, um, yeah. inside illustrations. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, going back to your, the idea of like the free fluid motion of um, your process, the way how you just sort of like, just let yourself be like, I'm not going to care about that. I'm going to put stuff down. I'm going to focus on something else. And the idea that, you know, it is when, when we're not trying to look for stuff, that's when it tends to hit us in the face, you know, if it's inspiration, if it's ideas. Um, so have you sort of going forward from Malamanda, of course it was a great success. Um, it was the first thing I heard was Malamanda. Everyone was talking about it. It was on uh, a lot of the sort of like the Instagrams and book Twitter uh, around sort of middle grade, this new thing. Thinking ahead, you know, was it a case that you obviously went to auction? Were you uh, offered so many books in advance? And then did you have to suddenly think about the expansive world of, of Erie on Sea? So uh, Erie on Sea, for anyone who doesn't know, is the very quaint seaside town Malamanda is set in, which has got all the good vibes of, I want to feel like it's sort of Dorset coast sort of way. It's very sort of, it has almost like a West Country flair to it. I, I imagine a lot of them have a bit of an ooh to their uh, <laughs> quite possibly, yeah. I, mean, I did. I, I did work quite hard not to make it too sort of obviously a a, a particular place. But yeah. Lyme, Lyme Regis is certainly an inspiration for yeah. as long as as well as um, Hastings, where I where I, I, I live oh, in Hastings, yeah. uh, Tenby in in uh, in Wales, um, right, which yeah. I know quite well, and um, Cromer in uh, Norfolk. Oh yeah, yeah. are the kind Cromer. of primary inspirations. But I did try to keep it. Um, vague so nobody could say it's definitely here or it's definitely there um yeah and then you can apply your own accents that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um going back to uh, the the auction stuff so did you have to then suddenly think ahead suddenly on maybe the you a two or three book deal and i'm gonna need more more adventures in erie mm. well the thing is i i um I, I went from not really being sure i was even going to show it to anybody to suddenly having to fate, sort of wonder about how I was going to write book two or book three. Yeah. Um, and so I had to sort of decide, you know, is there enough material here you know, to merit a series and what's the extent here and how, how much would be too much? And, and it didn't take me long to realise, just thinking about it, that there's just, um, there's just so much potential in, in the hotel where anyone could come and stay in that hotel. There's the, um, the Eerie Book Dispensary, which we haven't talked about yet, with the mechanical yeah. monkey that dispenses a book for you in a slightly fortune-tellery sort of way. I mean, anyone could walk into that shop and we dispense the book. Um, 
there's the um the chip shop and mrs fossil's flots emporium and yes. there's just so much in there that i just felt it can't just be one book and by that yeah. point it had to be three anyway yeah. so i have yeah i had i then say well what what with the series and there were there are reveals and things which i wanted to to bring mm. out anyway about herbie and about violet's parents that yes. i'll get to in the last book um where quite how many there'll be i don't know yet but um there's certainly at least be three um yeah. Yes, it was quite strange to then go to have to go from great, it's been published to you know, <laughs> what's the series story going to be completely? How is it going to work? And having to think about the plots of books ahead before I'd written them is quite a challenge. Because then, of course, with the second book, you only have nine months to write that in, you know, yeah. edit it, and everything. Whereas the the first book, I was taking my time over, so um, it was a challenge to to go from one book to a, a potential series. And we've uh, we sort of. Mentioned it a little bit there, but let's actually take it a bit more of a deep dive into Erion Sea, the, the quaint uh, seaside town that you might have seen in the summer, but in the winter it's very different. What you know, you, you've mentioned some of the the inspirations there already, like some of the places in the UK that have like built Erie in your mind and you've brought it to life on the page. What was the idea about some of the more static locations like the Grand Nautilus and the the book depository? Well, the hotel, um, I've always been fascinated by hotels, especially slightly quaint out-of-the-way ones, which seem, I think, quite mysterious anyway. And when you stay in one and, 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 and um, you kind of live there for a while, don't you? But then you, you're in a strange place and you don't know who's in the next room and it's all very mysterious. So I've always found hotels really interesting. So I knew it'd have to be a hotel in Erion Sea with lots of odd people possibly coming and going and the manager and the hotel receptionist, the whole sort of microcosm going on there. And then the pier, of course, I, you know, if you live by the sea yeah. and you live in a seaside town, a pier is quite a big feature in many seaside towns. So I live, I live near Hastings, but I know Eastbourne very well, which is not far at all. And Eastbourne, is, pier, yeah. Eastbourne Pier is the inspiration for um, the pier in um, Erie on Sea. If you, if you see Eastbourne Pier, it's, it's really sort of, it's got these little spires and turrets and little towers and a great big building on the end. Um, and it just looks a bit shaky and a bit rickety and uh, but it's kind of amazing and wonderful all, all at the same time so it's not the exact peer but it's, no, it's just but yeah. inspired by my peer uh, and then the bookshop was a whole other thing um that was an idea i had floating around in my mind for a long time about the idea of a bookshop where you don't choose a book the book is chosen for you oh. um and that was sort of an idea that came about from that uh, you know that thing where you pick up a book by ra at random you haven't intended to pick up at all and you flick through and you read a bit and then you find something in there that it seems relevant to your life at that moment or it seems to sort of open your eyes to something and it seems like oh, i think i was meant to pick that up and read it because yeah. how can that be real and then suddenly you, you get the sense that um any book could potentially change your life or be the one that you have to read at that moment but you don't necessarily know and how would you know and so i was wanted to create this machine that that this did this monkey that, that yeah. <laughs> you put a coin in the hat and then the monkey comes to mechanical life and types out a code on the on the um typewriter and that code when you've got your code off the typewriter the code takes you to the floor of the shop your your book is on yep. and the room on that floor and the wall in that room and then specific shelf and then when you get to the shelf you count along the final number and that's your book and so I had this idea, I thought it was really exciting, and I couldn't work yeah. out what to do with it. For a long time, I didn't know how to make this fit into a story. And then when I was creating Erie on Sea, I remembered this bookshop, this mechanical monkey. And I thought, wow, this is where this, is where this bookshop will be. So I changed it to a mermonkey, gave him a fish's tail. Yeah. 
and um, made a few other changes and, f and fitted, fitted the bookshop into Erie on Sea and it fits very well. So it's become a really important part of the story. And so, yeah, and then there's a chip shop, of course, it has to be a chip shop. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm quite keen off on beachcombing and fossil hunting, which you can do quite um, readily by the sea. And so Mrs. Fossil, the beachcomber and her shop, which she oh, sells all the things she finds, yep. is an important part that's sort of grown up out of my own experience. So the things she finds are all things I've actually found or oh. um, been associated with finding, including dinosaur bones and all these things you find near Hastings. So it's... Um, yeah, I really have mined my own life, I think, <laughs> to create yeah. on sea. But it does seem that it has had a sort of natural, just it's grown over time. You can almost feel that sort of effect of just like your, your environment playing back off you and you've put your own life influences into it. And uh, I think also there's just such a, a quaint, it almost feels perfectly made for middle grade. And even going down to like the names such as Herbie Lemon, uh, you know, Violet Palmer, I mean, just... When I saw those names, they, they've got the sort of sweet names behind them and stuff mm. like that. Uh, and yeah, when you dapple in a sprinkle amount of uh, mystery to them, you almost have this story uh, underneath that is just rife for, you know, uh, action, adventure. Um, and speaking of action and adventure, it takes me to another point I want to mention. You kind of just teased it a little bit earlier uh, about the talk uh, of possibly a Malamanda movie is this right I don't know how much you can talk about how much Hollywood is hushing and whether you even want to to talk about this but has there been any movement on on that radar well they, um I have sold I have the film rights have been optioned by Sony and Columbia Pictures and oh, wow. uh, Josh Cooley um who is um the director of Toy Story 4 is the yeah. director uh, slated to do this and he's actually developing the the script so uh, that's where we are with that. I mean, it's very exciting. I have fairly regular contact with him and um, he seems very excited and keen on Wowza. the story and um, often checks in with me to try and find out sort of some of the, the, of the secrets hidden away. And I think partly because he doesn't want to sort of get, do something wrong or maybe he's looking for more material. I don't know, but it's quite interesting the questions he asks me, that deep, deep background questions about it. But of course, at the moment, there's a pandemic and Hollywood yeah. is kind of in lockdown. So... I don't know when or how or you know how it will happen, but then there's there's a contract in place and things are happening, and it's very exciting. But of course, you never know how long it'll take to make a film, so I, I try not to think too much about it. But uh, I just hope that because um, it's intended to be live action, Ooh. even though Josh Cooley is he has a background in Pixar and he's yeah, made Pixar and stuff, yeah. animated films. Um, this is his live action debut. This is what how he sees it, and. Um, uh, that means that in, in theory they will make the mermonkey they will actually make a model of that and they <sighs> have a set that is that is seagull's diner for fish and chips and they will have mrs um fossil's flotsam porium and lady kraken's cameroon it will all be things that will be made even though they're props and just the idea that i might be able to go there and look at them is just very very exciting but i try to suppress <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't sit there you know, holding your breath waiting for it to happen next yeah. tuesday because you never know how many years these things will take oh, so, yeah. it is exciting <laughs> it is very exciting uh but yeah so malamanda obviously has been a great success which brings us i'm going to grab my copy here took you to Gargantus and you sort of like ratcheted up the stakes, like bigger monster, um, you sort of bigger story, building on what you've already created in um, Malamanda and sort of like turning it up to 11 almost with the suspense, the mystery. Um, did you always know that this whole sort of world, because of course 
anyone who's read Gargantus, you expand the map from the quaint little Erion Sea, you get bigger. Had you always intended Erion Sea to be this, this whole coastal region rather than just a quaint little town? I think, well, it's, it's the bay. I've kind of gone out into the bay mm. and shown the whole bay. I, I really wanted, after Malamander, which was very much based on the beach and on um, a wreck on the beach and the, the cliffs and the, the pier and the mist. And I wanted in Gargantis to, to go out to sea because I felt by the sea we should go out on a boat. So I was very determined yeah. it had to be a boat. Had to be a bit special, a bit different, of course, because here we're on sea. Um, there had to be reasons to go out to sea, and there had to be a lot of sea and storm. I really wanted storm to feature very heavily, and, and, and anyone who's read it will know that it does. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I wanted to sort of reach out from Erion Sea and, and kind of expand out into, into, the, into the wider world, just to prove that there was a world, really, because, of course, if you've got fishermen and sailors, they are going places, so there had to be this sense of a, a, wider, a wider world that Erie sits in. Um, and then in the third book, which I'm working on now, we come back into the town and it's very much set around the theatre at the end of the pier and a magic show that is being put on there, which may or may not be a good idea because there is a legend about this magic trick that you shouldn't perform and that someone's come to perform it. And it's all sorts of things go on about that. And it's set um, in Erion Sea at, at Halloween. So you get to see Erion Sea at a different time of year with a different, um, a different vibe. So the sea is there, of course, it's in the background, but yep. now we're very much grease paint and theatre lights and performers and mime artists and all that good stuff. Very, very exciting. I was about to say, I was going to get on to sort of what you're working on at the moment with book three and stuff like that, but that sounds really exciting. Uh, also, like I was saying, the, um, the mystery and the darkness does definitely feel like um, the Malamander is sort of creepy and sort of spooky. Gargantus has this almost overlooming dread um, that sort of knocks the, sort of like, the tension up a little bit. Are you sort of like, now we've got, I can hear Halloween, I hear a magic show, I hear, are you sort of like slowly, slowly getting more, sort of like uh, making bigger stakes? So for every book, it feels like there's more and more thrown up against Herbie and, and Violet? Yes, I think so. I'm trying to build, because each story is its own story. So you can, yeah. if, you, if you've never read Malamanda, you can still pick up Gargantis and everything is reintroduced and everyone is reintroduced. But there are some things that carry over Hmm. Uh, not so much in Gargantus, but they'll be it will build over the series. So there's oh. a kind of series arc in the background about who who is Herbert Lemon really, and yeah. um, what did happen to Violet's parents. Are, th are things I'm building up to mm -hmm. to revealing at the end. So I'll just leave it there. Really, I don't want to spoil it, but no, uh, I, I'm certainly building a, a series arc um, as well as telling individual stories. Fantastic. Well, what we'll do then is just want to look ahead now. So if working on, um, obviously, the Erion Sea, has, is there anything else that, obviously, you, you spend some time illustrating? You've, you've done your graphic novel work in the past as well. I know you also do, uh, you've authored and illustrated several uh, picture books. Is there anything else you're working on at the moment, possibly a spin-off Erion Sea or maybe a, a new, new project underneath all of that? I do, I do have another, another idea that I've had sort of um, festering, you could say, in the background for yeah. quite some time, which is quite exciting. I'm quite excited about it, but I've told no one about it. But it, it's, I am planning um, to start doing some of the writing on that. And um, just the other day, I realised how, even though it's nothing to do with the Erion Sea, it's a completely different thing. So it's still okay. another middle grade adventure. Yeah. But I can see that actually, you know, it does connect to Erion Sea, that it's part of the sort of wider world. In, in a very loose sort of way. So I'm quite enjoying oh, spotting yeah. the ways in which the two will just, just touch briefly, if you see what I mean. So that you can yeah. imagine, if you read that other story idea, you can imagine um, 
you could pop out of that and go to the Erie on Sea, if you see what I mean. Even though that won't, I'm not planning to do to do uh, do that. But so. yeah, but I've got that going on. So really, I, I um, it's just middle grade writing now for me um, with whatever illustration I can yeah. squeeze in, <laughs> I can wangle in. But yeah, just middle grade story ideas. I mean, I just feel like I've, I've arrived at home now, so I, I don't want to um, start a different direction now. I just want to explore this one. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, I, I'm super excited uh, for for number three. Oh, just just hearing. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker. I, I really like magic and stuff like that, and anything that's got magic-y and Halloween vibes, all the more spooky and kooky. I love it. So, just going to end the uh, the interview there for today. Um, but before we go, uh, just want to uh, firstly tell you guys who are listening, thank you if you've made it this far to the end of the the interview. Uh, we are actually doing here at the Big Kids Book Club. We're launching a, a quick competition for everyone who's involved, everyone who's listened. Uh, all you need to do, super simple, we're going to be giving away a copy of, we've talked about it a lot today, uh, of Malamanda to one, one lovely listener. Uh, all you need to do to um, be in a possibility to win this, I just need you to go onto Twitter, okay? Find us at Big Kids Book Club, okay? Just tag us in a tweet with the hashtag MalamandaComp. All one word, MalamandaComp, and then tag three of your friends who you think you'd like to t- spend a day at the seaside with, at Erie on Sea with, and go explore it with. Three friends, hashtag MalamandaComp, and you could be in a chance to win this book. We'll be having all the T's and C's and stuff on Twitter. I've also put them in the, uh, the body of the, the podcasts sort of stuff. So if you find this on Spotify or iTunes, I'll put all the competition T's and C's in. We could, um, Marcus, we could probably arrange to get that book signed if you like. There you go. There we go. Signed copy, stakes raised. Love it. <laughs> so a signed copy of Malamanda for one, one very lucky listener. So we'll be doing that. Um, keep an eye out for that. Follow us on that Twitter. It's at Big Kids Book Club. And I'll be, like I said, we'll be putting all that there. Um, for us now, I think that's pretty much going to be the end of today's interview i could sit and talk here for a lot longer to you thomas um but i don't want to take up all your time it has been amazing to have you on the show big thank you for for coming along it's been lovely to have you thank you marcus it's been great fun thanks for inviting me on uh, and if anyone wants to find out more about your work or you as yourself uh where could they go to find you any social media or website links you want to quickly plug in yeah if you go to um twitter i'm thomas h taylor at Tom H. Taylor and on Twitter. I'm quite searchable there. I'm on Instagram as Tomskagram. And um, uh, if you go to erionc.com, uh, you can find some, some more links to me there. Fantastic. Well, that's all we got for today's episode. So we'll be back to the clubhouse with another episode very soon. But until next time, keep on reading. <laughs>